Life is a constant improvement process. One of the things important is goal setting. For myself, I find it helpful to set goals that I can control. So like how many podcast episodes I release, but not necessarily how many downloads I get because I can't control the downloads. But when it's something that's out of your control, like how people will receive it, you can be wrapping up your own self-worth and also ability to accomplish some of these things with stuff that isn't in your ability to control. Hey everybody, John Chisholm here. Welcome to the All the Best podcast. It's my own special blend of motivation and devotion designed to help you find all the best in life. I just believe there's always a way to make your life better. I want to help you get there. Nothing's going to be off limits in this show. We're going to talk to amazing people from all kinds of backgrounds, beliefs, and points of view. We're going to be bringing you insights, advice, and inspiration to guide you into the coolest chapters of your life and maybe help you actually enjoy your time here on planet earth so buckle up kids this is gonna be fun hey guys welcome to the show this week let me start with a couple of questions do you have a little voice in your head that constantly calls you a failure? Do you wake up in the night in a cold sweat remembering that big fail from 20 years ago that you just can't shake? Well, most of us can point to some pretty big misfires and my guest this week is owning his to the point of calling himself the world's number one failure. His name is Ben Courier and he's the host of the podcast, The Failure Guy. Where most of us sane folks would rather protect our fragile egos by calling our missteps mistakes, Ben Courier just calls it like it is, brazenly using the F word, failure, and owning it as a part of life and choosing to learn from it. Well, Courier looks into the rougher side of success. In his podcast, he tries to find out the hardest moments that successful people endured and the failures they encountered on the way towards actually making it. We have a really fun conversation in this show, and Ben gets super honest about being fired from his last six jobs and the lessons he's learned from failing repeatedly. I get honest about my own failures and talk pretty openly about some of my big fails and what I've learned from them too. So tune in for some revelations that may or may not surprise you about me. You know, the best thing about being a podcast host is meeting interesting new people. I love what Ben is up to by helping us own and learn from our shortcomings, great and small. This is not a somber, soul-searching kind of episode, believe me. We laugh a lot and have a good time exploring how a little more honesty and self-awareness can lead us to greater success and satisfaction in life. So grab a glass of your favorite beverage and get ready to meet the world's number one failure guy, host of the Failure Guy podcast, and my new best friend, Ben Courier. The Failure Guy, Ben Courier here on All the Best. Welcome, Ben. Hey there, how's it going? It's going great. I had to be like overly dramatic because <laughs> you have like, it's just a, such a cool thing being called the failure guy and the world's number one failure and making failure like your your bandwagon your your campaign you know platform it's like 
hey, what are you doing? What do you do? I mean, we all run from it, man. And you're just like camping out. What is that about? Um, so a couple things. World's number one, you know, chemist or accountant or something. There's a competition, you know, <laughs> failure. No one was really trying for that. And also if you are failing that badly, you're probably not like trying to brag about it or whatever the thing is. I just thought it'd be funny as a, as a self-deprecating thing, but then also I think now that I've claimed it, if anyone tries to come and take it and then I lose it, I failed at that. And then it's like a paradox. And I don't think I can be dethroned at this point, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, one more failure on the resume yeah, or whatever. It makes sense. And honestly, <laughs> I'll give it up. You know, maybe we just switch it off every year, but I thought it would be a funny way to, I was doing a lot of networking at the time and I was trying to teach, I, I teach Microsoft Excel online and a lot of people like fall asleep halfway through the word Excel. And so I was sick and tired of networking and pitching and doing the same elevator pitch to like the whole group of people who I was talking to. So I just started bringing in, instead of making websites and buying domains, which I used to do and I still do, I was just making business cards of fictional businesses. I would be like, hey, I'm Ben with Sage Quit and I'm a life coach and uh, whatever, author. I would make up stuff <laughs> and it would have a number and a website usually, but then I was like, okay, I realized I was fired from all my jobs. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll be the number one failure. So I would get up and say, hey, I'm Ben. I'm the world's number one failure. And if you want to talk to me afterwards, let me know. And then I would have no explanation as to what that means or why I would be doing it. And also these people have already seen me pitching Excel forever and all these other businesses. So I kind of wanted to be that guy in New York with the trench coat who's selling watches, you know, and he has all the different kinds. I just want to have a different business card for whatever somebody needed until I figured out what business made sense. And then I was reading a lot of self-help books, but I wasn't putting a lot of the improvement stuff into action, but they all said, you got to get comfortable with failure. So I decided I didn't have a podcast in mind. I kind of had a book in mind, but I was like, I'm going to put the license. I'm going to put on my license plate. So I checked to see if it's available. And it was surprisingly sweet <laughs> or not surprisingly to, Depending on your view. Yeah, not um, surprisingly, actually. <laughs> and so I wore that license plate for like a year and a half without really any idea what it was. But it, what it really became was exposure therapy to me, not caring what people think. Because if people are driving behind you, first of all, I'm driving a Prius, so they're already judging me. But then I have a failure license plate. And then <laughs> if every time someone's driving by me, I'm wondering, what are they thinking? Like, one, I wonder what they're judging me with after you do that like 800 times you just stop you caring i mean you don't find out the answer and it's just like you don't care and so like then i was just drumming on the steering wheel or whatever i was forgetting that i even had it back there so like it was kind of like wearing that enough that i didn't care about the word because a lot of people have to your point like a real harsh reaction to the word failure yeah. or the concept of it or even just approaching anything like it it's kind of anti-American. I mean, that's like all we've been set up for, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, yeah. So it, it kind of goes immediately against the grain of our innate, inborn, ingrained, you know, the, the, the doctrine of mm -hmm. success, right? And well, I don't know. So like the American dream kind of thing it kind of ignores failure sometimes because they don't talk about it as much. So I mean, yeah, we, oh, we have a love-hate relationship with even acknowledging it. 
I'm saying, dude, it just goes against that, and it goes against everything. Oh, that's what you're saying. I get it. Okay. Yeah, I'm dumb. No, I'm like, I'm chiming in, bro. It's like it. We do not want to say the f word, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like we want to say the other f word, you know, and that's fine, but not the failure word because that means that we don't deserve the air we breathe, man. If we're not you know, a valuable member of society, if we're not making our first million, if we're not releasing our memoir, you know, and I've spent a ton of time in the self-help motivation space in the last eight years, because I had a massive failure in with a situation that I don't want to trash anybody. I, I actually was in a situation that I thought I would ride out for the rest of my life. I loved where I was, the community I was serving and and it, it kind of came to a screeching halt. And I look back and I see so many ways that I made that failure happen. And my ego, my own needs, you know, what I was trying to do there, I thought I was entitled because of age and wisdom and experience and was blinded. And mm-hmm. when I was literally found myself out you know, with no options, dude, I didn't know who I was anymore. It was a huge failure and all of a lifetime of, of great successes, you know, Mm -hmm. were just totally discounted and gone. They don't count anymore if nobody will hire you. Right. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I can understand that. Yeah. It's tough too, because the more you kind of tell yourself it's a final destination and you, because for me, failure is about learning and discovering stuff. But for a lot of people, like it's a permanent stamp on your who you are. And yeah, yeah. And they won't don't want to show the chinks in their armor. They don't want to show like the 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 weaknesses. And that's why we do the social media highlight reel stuff because we want to just show how good everything is. But even the people who are successful struggled to get there. And so I think we should acknowledge a lot of the things that we don't talk about, which is that in order to do anything important, you're going to have to mess up because you're treading ground that hasn't been, you know, walked on before and you're yeah. stepping out of your comfort zone and it's going to involve some mess ups. But I think when real, real quick, when you got yeah. to your bottom point, did you feel that you were, because this is what I felt in my current, like whatever my most bottom point has been so far is that I feel like I've been more able to do whatever I want. Like, when you don't know who you are and you get to that point where you've got nothing left, it's like you've got freedom to then remold yourself or be anybody or try new things that you've maybe wouldn't have done because you're playing it safe. I, I think so. If you can have the right mindset, right? Because I did not have the right mindset when it all went down and mm-hmm. I went into abject depression and apathy you know, I th- always thought that apathy meant you didn't care, you know, and I would talk about, oh, those apathetic people, they're just, they don't care. Apathy means you can't care. You're so, you're, you're not mm-hmm. at the bottom of the barrel, you're under the barrel and you, you no longer have the capacity. You've moved into kind of a helplessness and a hopelessness and the mindset, I mean, I love the mindset of, hey, you know, all bets are off. I've lost everything. Mm-hmm. So, hey, let's go figure out what we can do. I didn't have that. I just had this big scarlet F on my chest and was like, okay, I'm done. You know, God doesn't love me. Nobody loves me. I don't love me and I'm giving up. And so I kind of went down that route. But over the last eight years, I've built myself 
with, back up with the help of all these amazing motivational self-help people. It's what made me want to get into this space to kind of pass it on. But it's been a long road back, bro, to just try to, to get it back to the point where I could look in the mirror and say, I even like you, you know, and, you know, guilt and shame are useless emotions, but when they own the real estate, you know, it's so hard to, to come back from that. So that's what I love about you and what you're doing with, with failure guy, because you're helping people to get to the better side of that mindset, you know, faster. And I wish I'd had you, you know, eight years ago, but you were busy well, I'm, somewhere. I've been in those situations like you're talking about where you're, where I didn't feel good about myself and there was nothing to lean on to like point to my self-worth and things like that. And I think that's kind of where a lot of this is born from is like the, the need to be able to be resilient during those kind of times and push on and realize that there's valuable lessons that you had to pay a lot for there that you mm -hmm. can glean from it. And I think that's really the only true form of failure in my eyes is if you, if you do something like that and you don't learn from it, you like purposely purge all the information, like the, the time that it happened, but the lessons yeah. that you learned, that's the real failure because you spent like a massive amount of, self-worth and everything else that you put into it in order to learn these lessons you should then take that move forward and and learn from it in the future so like right. hopefully when you were in new business situations that resemble those old ones you could say oh i'm not going to do what i did, did last time and mess it up in the way oh uh, yeah yeah well you know it, it seemed like i didn't have access to that part of my brain. And I've done a lot of reading and research. There's a great book called The Soul of Shame. And I'd have to look up the guy's name, but that's the, the book title. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he talked, it was the first book that I ever read that talked about the actual brain chemistry and the reaction that we have when we're in, you know, shitty situations like that. And mm -hmm you know, where we feel shame because of something we did or something that was done to us. And the, the brain actually disintegrates the, however, all that chemistry up there, it, it actually, it actually separates your feeling from your thinking and actually trashes the, the ability to access the things that could help you out of that apathetic place. And mm -hmm. you, you, you actually lose the ability to function and to think clearly. And I, I totally experienced that. And all I could do was feel, and I couldn't seem to think and access that part of my brain. And I slowly by reading and by, it, I, I don't know how much resilience I have, but I, I'm a tenacious son of a gun. And I just, even though I was comatose in a lot of areas of my life, mm -hmm. I still chose by, and you know, like the guy hanging on the side of the cliff by his fingernails, I felt like that. And I chose to read. I chose mm -hmm. to stay in the, the literature or to really get into the literature of self-help and motivation. And, and it helped me. It's like, okay, a little bit of time, you know, eight years later, I'm a whole lot better. And we've, you know, I've done a lot of different things, but failure is such a mixed, a mixed bag, right? So again, having listened through several of your podcasts and just kind of getting familiar with who and what you are, I think it's so cool that you're trying to short cut, you know, the, the, the whole 
apathetic, I'm a loser, and I'm always going to be a loser, that stamp. I, I love that, dude. So you've been fired from every job you ever had. Who's going to fire you from the Failure God podcast? What's, what's Well, thankfully, there? nobody can. And also, I think it, it would took me six jobs of getting fired to realize I have to work for myself. Well, because A, right? literally, they won't let me work for them. <laughs> I can't stay. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to go try to, you know, the definition of insanity is to... You know, oh, yeah. doing the same thing over and over. I do it. And expecting a different result. But what I, what you were saying earlier about basically not believing in yourself or being in those situations where you can't even access your superpower or whatever you want to talk about, like your skills and things like that. Same with like social anxiety or any other things where, you're, where your brain is telling you that you can or can't do something. It's one of those self-fulfilling prophecies where it's like, if you don't think you can, you're not going to do can't. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And since I've embraced this whole failure thing, like two days ago, I interviewed a guy, his name's Brandon T. Adams. He's won two Emmys and he had 29 minutes that he could interview with me. We started and he said, you sound a little weird. And I just assumed that meant I was like muffled or something like that. And he had the straightest face of the whole thing. I went and listened to it and I sound like a chipmunk, Martian, crazy person. I can't even understand what I'm saying because my my focus right or whatever I had plugged in was in the wrong speed or something. And he, I was dying laughing because it was so bad and he crushed it. I mean, I didn't even notice. He, I couldn't even tell that there's a problem, but the, that the is thing hilarious. I'm hilarious. He just got the, played it straight. <laughs> yeah. But in, in the past, there's a past me and there's probably a lot of people out there who'd be like, mortified because of what happened but i was just dying laughing because it's so funny every time i fail it's on brand for what i'm doing if i mistake <laughs> if i say the wrong name when i'm introducing the guest like it doesn't matter i leave my mistakes in i'll usually edit out the, the guests because i don't want them to look bad but it's it's nice because anytime i do them wrong I, it's like on brand for what i'm doing so i can always laugh at myself and promote the idea of it so when i show that episode i'm gonna i'm gonna play the crazy chipmunk thing for a second so people know what i sounded like exactly also will forgive me for the fact that i gotta re-record everything i said <laughs> and it'll sound a little weird but but that's how you learn i'm never gonna go through the focus right again i'm gonna go through roadcaster and that's it and i've uh, done that though i i've had podcasts where i i wound up with like 200 edit points because you know mm -hmm. my side of it i i have uh, on at least four occasions out of 150 shows I did on my other show, I have recreated my side of the conversation and like had to act like I'm listening to the person and I'm reacting like, oh, uh-huh. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to be like, like and, and it, yeah. it comes out all right, you know? This will be my first time doing that. But there's been plenty of times where I've had, I mean, how do you know how many edit points you had? Cause I'm, I've definitely hit something like that. I, I counted. I had so many one time. You counted? That I, I counted. I was like 200 edit points. Oh, you went back through and counted? or you? Oh, yeah. No, I went back okay. through and counted, dude, because it was like a, a badge of some, my scout <laughs> badge, 200. I reached the 200 edit point. I'm like a perfectionist. So I want them to sound great. But it's like, it's funny that we spend so much time trying to make someone else sound so much better when, when a lot of people would just not do that, you know, not take the time. And I see yeah. so many podcasts that are just terrible sounding. And there's probably some brilliant software out there that would clear all that out, but I'm not smart enough. Failure, failure. There's this, uh, I just hadn't figured it out. So there's some, I was using Descript earlier and that'll, it'll find all the filler words well and stuff, but it's not perfect and it'll chop off some things. <laughs> I haven't found anything that's like, you can trust to do it. 
I just swallowed so coffee. I know. I thought that big failure moment, at least for a drink. <laughs> I just swallowed my coffee wrong. We'll just leave it in just for just for a little podcast fail. But so, <laughs> well, so what are you doing? So you got the podcast. And, yep. you know, what, where do you feel like this is going for you? I mean, I think a book would be brilliant. It's definitely a book. So uh, I was going to write a book. I started writing like 3000 words or something one night. And I was like, I only know my one brand of failure, which is the getting fired from all our jobs thing. And I didn't even have to tell anybody about that ever. So it, it doesn't help my job prospects or anything. It was kind of like burning because <laughs> of like me in corporate America. I'm like, whatever, screw this. But also it took me five to even realize I was fired from them all because they like either they like force you to resign or you're just lying in every interview about the past because they don't tell them you know tell people that you're fired so you can just say you're working on your personal business or whatever the thing is to because i'm really good at interviews and so i would just you know and i'm good at the software and stuff i'm just bad with corporate politics and some other pieces of corporate america but it's it, since i was telling all those stories in the interviews i wasn't even facing up myself to what had happened and realizing that i was stacking all these firings until the fifth one i was like wow all these jobs like i i was a, a layoff of one at, at best and i had no choice to stay so it was like one of them they told me to resign but i mean like what the point is i didn't resign i they told me to i had no choice exactly. so uh it's just weird when you go back and think of it, it's like i was good at school i did all my stuff i thought then you know you can have a more relaxing life at that point but instead you just got to do the same thing with different, like different. And I'd see, I started out in KPMG in public accounting and I'd see the partners there at 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, that's the goal is to be one of these guys who's mm. still here late. Right. I want to be here now. No family, <laughs> you know, they might have the car or the house or something, but. And so I just don't, I, I don't like the endless pursuit of money for money's sake. And I always have to do tricks to get myself to do money stuff. That's why I did. Instead of doing Microsoft Excel training, I'm mostly podcrastinating by doing this thing, which doesn't doesn't help my my business at all. So like, because <laughs> I like the shiny new object thing, and also when there's money involved, like I feel more car sales me mini or whatever, you know. Like yeah. here in the podcast, I can if I'm truly saying whatever and it's not for any financial gain, I can be my honest self and not feel like there's any way it could be misinterpreted. And I don't know why it feels like I can't do that when there's money involved, but I just got some weird associations from growing up poor. And also my dad's been bankrupt twice, including signing, co-signing for one of my cars that got taken away. And my girlfriend's purse was in the car. I was like, I was making all the payments with that. Like, and also he has the same name as me. I'm the fourth. So it gets mixed up and stuff too. So wow. Well, I just didn't have a good role models growing up. And I was like one of the first ones to go to college. So even though I do financial planning and analysis, I joke, I don't like to take my work home with me. And so I don't follow the rules myself because when it's my own money, you know, yeah, kind of playtime. Dude. And when I look back on my life and I see, and I've, I've been laid off too. And so I, I get it. And that's, you know, that's can be such a shaming thing whether it's deserved or, or not or the climate just changed in the company that's happened to me before yep. where you know i really wasn't in the headspace that i needed to be to serve that company well but i couldn't see it you know mm -hmm. and you know my 
my greatest failure may be just a lack of self-awareness. I don't, I don't know, but I think me because I wouldn't quit. I would just stay. Yeah. Right. Infinitely until they fired me. Yeah. I mean, I knew that, it wasn't working out, you know, is that loyalty or is that just self-preservation, you know, whatever that might be, but is it smart? Cause I got unemployment way more times than if I had quit. And also <laughs> I stayed a lot longer and got paid. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, but at the same time, if, if corporate America cared more about people like me or any of the workers, I would care more about not having given them my all or whatever. But since it's such yeah. a, a one-way street and they want you to pretend like it's all a big family or whatever, and then they'll drop you instantly. <laughs> and they'll even go out of their way to drop you. It's yeah. like, well, how after so many of them, like, how am I supposed to trust anybody when it comes to that kind of stuff? I've twice hired people. I interviewed, hired them, and then they fired me. They were the ones who fired me. I hired people who like filled in my gaps and weaknesses. So they were good at to-do lists and all this other stuff. And then they were pushing that stuff on me and then wow. it blew up in my face kind of things. I'm like, I should have hired someone like me who wouldn't care, but yeah, <laughs> like no yeah. one would win. <laughs> Word to the wise, man. Be careful who you hire because they might kick you to the curb. Yeah. Especially if they've got, you know, that eager want for climbing the ladder and things like that. And if you get really good at a skill, like for example, I'm good with Excel, they're not going to promote you to be above doing Excel because that's what you're good at. So they want to keep right. you there and put other people kind of above you to keep you doing that kind of thing. And if you save a bunch of time with it, you still got to do more work in the time that you saved. <laughs> so it's, Yeah, for real. Well, you know, I, I think you think you're onto such a great principle. And when I think of some of the best motivational books and the best business books and even the best sales books, because I've had to learn sales and marketing over the last seven years of having my other company. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the greatest salespeople are the ones who know that, yes, lives in the land of no, you know, that you've got to fail a lot in order to succeed right mm -hmm. and then one of my favorite books is by a lady named pema chodron and it's called fail fail again fail better and mm -hmm. it's like you know if, if you're willing to fail then you know if you i believe that success waits on the other side of the willingness to fail and then that's the message that i hear coming through for you Mm -hmm. And your guests, you know, and the people that are talking about their greatest failures that are shameful that we don't want to talk about. And yet that it feels to me, Ben, in the literature of the day, there is some kind of slow shift toward accepting failure. In fact, Ray Dalio, who is love him. the owner. Yeah. Okay. The, the Bridgewater radical transparency and the doc collector and all that stuff. Yeah. He's so good. And principles his, I think it's mm -hmm. his newest book. Oh, it's so long though. I couldn't even begin through the whole thing. <laughs> I know. I, was I, that, well, book. <laughs> I don't, I don't have it yet, but I was watching a YouTube on him and he was talking about having audacious goals. And instead of, we think the graph ought to go high and to the right. But he talked about setting audacious goals and then you're on this learning curve and then it loops where you fail. And as you figure out those failures, then it can take off. Never seen a graph like that or even a diagram like that. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that, man. I mean, what happens to you if you succeed? Well, so 
Uh, that's fine. I, if I become successful, be the world's number one failure, I'll laugh myself to death because it's the stupidest <laughs> way to have anything work out for me. But so I think have, I don't know if you read Carol Dweck's book Mindset, which I did. Yeah, goes into the one. growth and fixed mindset, and that was one of the books that inspired me because it talked about the growth mindset being very what I call a friend of failure, like someone who is okay with it versus a fixed mindset person would look at it as a permanent stamp. Like if they took a, an SAT test and got a bad grade, that means they're forever that level of smart and they're not going to get any better. But the book certainly promoted the growth mindset as being the, yet the more beneficial one. And that would be the one that would view all those things as like just part of learning it. And I think Ray Dalio does great stuff with the, I love the radical transparency and the honesty thing that he does. And I've, I've co-opted that a bit, sometimes to the extreme, depending on when, when it is, but <laughs> thank uh, you, like, Ray. <laughs> and at jobs that didn't want me to be honest, but it's, it's a great way to make sure you're understanding where people are coming from in terms of like cultures who don't allow you to fail and don't promote the idea that it's okay to make mistakes, just make people sweep them under the rug and not talk about it because there's definitely totally. mistakes happening and they just don't yeah. want to be caught with the bag, you know, or whatever the thing is. That's so true, dude. And and it, you, you mentioned the word culture, you know, mm. and America overall, as we referred to earlier, is such a success driven country. And yet it's the tiniest percentage of people that really succeed to the highest levels, you know, and, and we could talk all day about that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love the thought that in our motivational culture, that we're willing, or it seems like we're beginning to be willing to embrace some of the idea of failure in order to, 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 to capture some dreams. And there's a, there's a great book. I'm going to ask you, I want to talk about a book uh -huh. I loved this year, but I want to ask you, you can be thinking about this while I wrap for a sec, but you know, probably the, the, and I listen, I've got 234 audible titles. I'm just a freak on <laughs> audible, but one of the most in, as far as this kind of topic, you know, is concerned, there's a book called the big leap by gay Hendricks. And he's, I think he's a California guy, but he really talks about reaching our upper limit where our upper limit zone, where we, we, we get to so much success and then it's kind of like a tripwire, you know, mm -hmm. we hit, we hit the upper limit and we self-sabotage in some way, you know, like we're having a good, our marriage is in a good place. So we go screw up somehow and mess mm -hmm. up our marriage because, or we're, we get a certain amount of financial freedom and then we go buy a yacht to put ourselves in debt or something. And it's like, we we have just this upper limit to where we can only get that far and then we trigger some kind of sabotage and failure and i thought that was really interesting and i see that in my life and it comes down to our self-awareness and that inner sense of worth and being that we don't deserve we deserve failure we don't deserve success and so I, I and i see those principles so it, it's called the big leap by gay mm -hmm. hendrix and it's really very well written and and has really caused me in my daily life to think okay how am i feeling about i just signed you know a ten thousand dollar client or i just you know my podcast has a bunch of hits this month mm -hmm. or i think about that okay am i going to screw myself up in 10 minutes am i going to 
get caught looking at porn? Am I going to look at, I mean, you know, is something going to be bad? I'm going to yeah. overdraft. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't look at porn, but you know, <laughs> what, what's it going to be? You don't overdraft either. I'm sure. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> But so you were saying all the things you don't do. So all the things that don't do. Who knows? Yeah, we're not going to talk about the things that I do. But but the point is, you know, we we get to a certain level that we're comfortable with. Or let me restate that: if we get beyond what we're comfortable with, then many of us trip that wire so that we can get back down to where we feel life is manageable and controllable. And even if that is failure, you know. And like, you know, then the old saying that success is harder to manage than failure, you know, but that book caused me to think a lot about that upper limit, you know, area for me. So do you think it's some something where we are too scared to operate at that level or is it just that we don't think we deserve to be there? And so that's what it is, because I, I don't know if I experienced this consciously, I might do it subconsciously or unconsciously but i don't know if i can point to well that's not necessarily true but you know i guess in certain parts of life i do self-sabotage but i think certain people have it in different ways certain people do it in relationships in business and things like that and i don't think from a monetary success point that i try to do that but i think i'm lying to myself for sure about it because i know i'm not doing everything i can to be more successful you know yeah well, you know what? I know that I look back in my life and it's it I have definitely self-sabotaged myself. I, I have done it. I've caused the biggest burn downs, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I can't point it out. I can't point at people outside myself. I think that, you know, like you you recognize that you can't work for people, you know. And I think that over the long haul. I've really proven that I can be an asshole about things. And, mm -hmm. you know, because I have, I mean, I think some people probably saw it as arrogance or ego. And I never, up until eight years ago, when I had the last big flame out, I, I never thought about it like that. I thought that, hey, I have this expertise. I have this vision. I'm a big visionary guy. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it, I'm, I'm always the the you know what if guy or wouldn't it be shiny object like what mm -hmm. you know what if you know what if we bring in a thousand candles into this wooden structure and have a great concert or something it's like i'm always the bigger better louder faster guy but when i look at what i see are the the trail of tears the tragedies in my life man i contributed so much and i think it was upper limit syndrome i think that somehow it, it, deep it in might my psyche i didn't think i deserved that success or well i, I was doing i've done so now that you're talking about it i've done tons of self-sabotage including most of those firings the ones that were my fault at least were uh, partially and sometimes extremely you know my own doing and my own undoing but i don't think it was consciously to not stay there it was maybe egotistical to think i could act however i was acting and have nothing happen negatively you know yeah right like, uh, almost untouchable until proven otherwise and then realizing multiple times that oh okay well i can't act like this because it's not gonna benefit me but i constantly mess up i don't I, <laughs> life is a constant improvement process and I yeah think yeah one of the things you said is important is well goal setting so you're saying like if you're looking at your podcast metrics or whatever the thing is how much money you made in a client or whatever um 
for myself, I find it helpful to set goals that I can control. So like how many podcast episodes I release, but not necessarily how many downloads I get because I can't control the downloads. I can control how many I release and if I can keep releasing them and I don't even consistently do that. But if the goal is that and I can control it and I can blame myself when I do or don't, you know, succeed on that metric, I can own it. But when it's something that's out of your control, like how people will receive it or things like that, you can be wrapping up your own self-worth and also ability to accomplish some of these things with stuff that isn't in your ability to control. Because even one year after my podcast started, I was still getting one download a day. And then all of a sudden it popped up and it's like, sometimes it's just, you gotta keep at something for long enough for anybody to start paying attention. But a lot of people would give up partway through that that one year right, and right. podcasting is one of those ones where it's like there's a little low metrics there's very low metrics especially at first like people think youtube videos and stuff whatever they get thousands of views but podcasting is is one of those ones where it's like really humbling when you start putting it out there especially yeah. at the beginning and most people aren't like you just said aren't willing to suffer through the onesie twosies to get to the point where it's 1k 2k 3k 10k mm-hmm. right so, yeah. okay, so we've hit on a couple of authors, you know, the Ray Dalio, there's maybe some other people who, if you had to take one book to the moon, you know, what would it be, dude? It would be almost any one of Seth Godin's books, but I'd probably say, I, I love This Is Marketing by him, which is kind of like yeah. a modern definition of, of what marketing is. But I love all of his books. I mean, Purple Cow is a fun one. He's got the newer one, the, the practice he's coming out with one this month, but there's no audio book yet, so I'm screwed because I got... With ADHD, I literally can't read a book. So what I'll do is listen to the audiobook, buy the physical book, pretend like I read the physical book, and find someone who <laughs> might read it and hand it to them and say, you should read this book that I read. You know, there's no creasing in it. <laughs> because No markings. I want to be able to spread it to them, but also I literally, I can't get through reading it because I'll be at the end of the page, I'll go, what did I just read? What was any of that? Yeah, right. Have, you get the author to read it, usually with Audible. So I like that aspect of it. Have you ever heard, have you ever seen this book? Greatest Salesman? Oh, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I lived down away. This. It's awesome, isn't it? But also it was in the one, I mean, I know you'll know this, but it was in the, the Christian section. And I was like, because someone told me to go get greatest salesman in the world. I didn't think it would be in the religion section. Not right. because religion has nothing to offer, but the greatest salesman in the world doesn't sound like a religious text but there's a whole I know, right? backstory that's awesome about the you know the scrolls and everything like that but yeah it's such an interesting way of packaging the message and such great knowledge in it for being yeah. like 50 years older what whatever it is 1968 uh, it, i think it's one of the the classics and for those of you listening not watching the video it's og mandino's the greatest salesman in the world and it is mm-hmm. a classic it's a marketing and sales classic but i think it's a life classic too and that's that's I'm really not even past love. I mean, because I'm reading the physical one, but I'm, you know, you get to do 30 days and I'm yeah. still on the first one. Love, I, or at least I don't want to go on until I do that one. Right. I spent a whole year with that book and I actually, I need to revisit it, but I would put, I would put the, the name, whatever the phrase from the scroll for that mm-hmm. week was, you know, I, yeah. or month. And I would put that in my phone and it would go off several times a day and remind me of that and that's one of the things that i do that i'm currently failing at is you know i've had a practice of 
putting these pithy reminders in my phone to go off at random times. And I always mm -hmm. forget that they're in there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like at night when I get in bed, I'd sit there and reset all the alarms, you know, but it would remind me, you know, it'd be like, you got this, John, or, mm -hmm. you know, trust, or you're enough. And it would be all these little cheerleader kinds of yeah. things. But it, it was weird because it seems like they would come up just in a moment I needed them, you know, or whatever. Maybe I made that. Maybe I just made Maybe you needed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it just it it I need reminding, you know, because yeah. it's, it's just like I can't keep all this in my head and, you know, just um, managing a ton and trying to keep people engaged. We know with the product and with the with the message, the mission, you know, everything that we're doing over here. So, so, all right. So let's fast forward a little bit. You've had the failure guy podcast, your book comes out. It's New uh, York future times. now. Okay. Got it. Yeah. We're future pacing a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. So you've yeah, got time your... to snubbed it. You're about to say, right. <laughs> so, all right. So it, it's three years, four years ahead. You've got you're like the Lewis Howes of failure. And, you know, you've had all these great failures on the, on your show. I failed to get that reference. Who? who? You, <laughs> Lewis Howe? Are you kidding me? You didn't? You, you don't know. I, mean, I would never lie about okay. not getting a reference because I would love to get the reference. Lewis Howes, H-O-W-E-S. He's like, he's like the podcasting guru guy. He's a former NFL player turned lifestyle entrepreneur. He is like the epitome of, of success stories, lifestyle entrepreneur guy. And so, all right. So I just turned you on to somebody great. Yeah, I love check it out. Also, by the way, Seth Godin has a podcast called the Kimbo. Yeah. You should check it out. Or if yeah. anybody else is listening, it's a solo one, which, but it's great. And I asked a question on one of them, which was nice. Oh, that's cool. So, all right. So it's three, four years later. But Lewis Howes. Okay. Lewis Howes. I'm the Lewis Howes. You're, you're like the a... Lewis Howes of failure. And your book, you're actually, your second book's about to come out because your first one was so great. You got a multi-million dollar deal. Wow. You know, you've got the relationship that you have dreamed of all your life. You are at the pinnacle of success. What next? I think I'm going to move to some place in Europe and just hang out and keep doing stuff on like a giant compound <laughs> in Bulgaria or whatever, <laughs> you know, because I want to travel the world, but I also hate flying. And so I liked when I was in Europe, I could go training around and stuff, but also I, this kind of stuff you can do anywhere. So I'd probably still be doing some of the same stuff, but I'd be doing it more. I like the digital nomad thing where like people will live a place for a month or two months or whatever, go to a new country every year or something that could interest me for sure. Cause I like throwing a wrench into things and, and, you know, switching it up. Yeah. I could also see myself enjoying just staying in one place. So I'm not really sure what, cause I've never had, they say money can't buy happiness or whatever. I'm happy to <laughs> Happy to get there and find out it doesn't happen. Right. That way. But I'm not going to trust anybody who does say that. Like, go experience it for myself. Because while I think it's probably true, I don't think I would be unhappy with a lot of money. You know, right. at least yeah. making life easier for sure. And it, when I started the whole failure thing, I thought it was 
mostly historical and i hope the the picture you're painting is is more accurate but i imagine it's going to be a bumpy road of of that kind of cyclical thing that yeah uh, ray dally was talking about but i don't even know honestly like right now the most the easiest way i could make money is through the business i had built previously but i think i've got so many negative associations with that and the jobs i did that i wanted to do something totally different and and just tip to everybody if you grow a beard if you've never grown a beard i don't care who you are i thought i couldn't grow a beard because i can't grow it on top but like willy willy we were th- uh, we were just talking on the linkedin live remember that uh, magnetic guy you could move his hair around i love so, that <laughs> i didn't know you i could move my hair around down to the bottom because i thought i couldn't grow it anywhere so with covid and the masks it allowed me the chance to try it out but Dude. since growing a beard it actually has changed how comfortable i am on camera or all sorts of things so grow a beard it's the key to success just you know you wear it well it looks like it all fell off the top and hit your chin but you you do well with it and i i think you're on to something ben i think that just helping the rest of us embrace our failure at least acknowledge it and learn from it and to have a more open honest authentic conversation around the stuff that hadn't worked you know and the greatest corporations the greatest figures in history you know, mm-hmm. have all had some kind of epic fail. I don't care who it is. You know, yeah. they've had or some a long kind string of, of them. Absolutely, you're right, right. And so I think that goes to your point. You know that that failure really is the key to success. That's part of the game. And if you're not going to be okay with it, then you're going to have a, a bad game. I think <laughs> it's about getting back up at bat. I think so. But I, I don't know if that's true because some people who are, you know, blindly positive, you know, there's toxic positivity, there's toxic negativity. I've been told about negative manifestation and everything. And I totaled the car that that was attached to. So potentially it's possible, but <laughs> who knows? I might've told it anyways. <laughs> it was already totaled before also by a hailstorm. But my point is, I don't know what is a good idea or not, but I do know that uh, getting more comfortable with things possibly going wrong has only helped me and made it so that I don't care as much when they do go wrong. And I look for the nuggets of wisdom that I may be able to extract from it. Very zen. <laughs> I try. <laughs> ben Currier, the failure guy. Thanks, man. It's been good. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for having me. And also, you're doing great stuff. And I, I appreciate you having me, but also shining a light on maybe the lesser known thoughts or takes on certain things, at least from from the way at least you, you interviewed me. I appreciate you, uh, you digging into what it is and, and understanding where I'm coming from, because a lot of people will judge it without like thinking about it too hard. All right, you guys check out the failure guy, Ben Courier. Thank you very much, John. Thanks for hanging out with me today on All the Best. If you like the show, be sure to share it out with your family and friends on your social media and drop me a line at john at johnchism.com. I would love to hear from you. I also want to invite you to jump over to my site right now to sign up for my free 31-day motivational email series. It's designed to help you go for all the best in life. If you're needing some real change, fresh motivation and inspiration, this could be just the thing to get get you going. You can find it at johnchism.com and I'll see you next time.